blue wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 169 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host, Joshua Perry. We are back, and it is getting closer to college football season. And you know how I know this, Joshua. It's because it is the week of SEC Media Days. After that, we have all the other conferences that will follow. And so I don't know about you, but I've been paying attention to what's been going on in Atlanta this week. That's where SEC Media Days are. And let's just say all of the coaches seem to be on the same page with the subject of NIL. Oh, are they? They're they're all on well, the same most page. Most of them. <laughs> um, so coaches not on the same page with everyone else. Nick Saban, Nick, uh, my guys have made $3 million in NIL Saban. And also Jimbo, I never paid for my recruiting class, even though I actually did pay for my recruiting class, Fisher. And then the rest <laughs> of them are like, ah, this thing is kind of crazy. Oh. Isn't it? And that's the thing with the SEC coaches, more than anything, um, these are guys who are usually dealing with pretty good talent. Um, they're dealing with universities that have a pretty good amount of money and donors who have a pretty good amount of money. And yes, some more than others. And you talked about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And look, that is one of the subjects that keeps on swirling around because the, the donors there, they have a lot of money at Texas A&M. Like the mm -hmm. money seems to be endless there. And I think that was really something um, that Lane Kiffin, without really mentioning names, brought up and said, so in the long run, is it just going to be these schools that have all those that that endless money from donors that's going to be able to continue to be at the top? Is that what it's going to come down to? Because he kind of alluded to the fact that right now there there's no type of uh, stipulations for how much money could be given to um, future you know players coming in. There's just nothing in terms of a measuring stick of how this thing is going to go in the future. And I think that's what some of these coaches at not as big of schools are worried about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned, I think, Lane Kiffin talking about how there needs to be a salary cap on this thing. And, you know, it's just that he's at a disadvantage and other schools have a built-in advantage or whatever the case is. And he's not wrong in that, but I think that is a faulty premise for a couple of reasons is, number one, this the playing field has not been level in a long time. Like, mm -hmm. just from a, a resource standpoint, like, schools already had more money than other schools. Like, the donors were giving it to athletic departments instead of players, sure, but that's how some schools have better facilities. That's how some schools have cooler features in their stadiums. That's how some schools have better food at training table, whatever the case is. Like, it's never been a top to bottom, everything's equivalent type thing. And then number two, Lane Kiffin, nobody told you to go coach in the middle of Mississippi. Like, right, right. Like, 
Yeah, but you talk about being at a disadvantage. Like, uh, and this is no shade to anybody who listens to the show that might live in Mississippi, but I mean, come on. Like, that's part of the thing, too, is, is you know, you pick where you're at as a coach, or I guess you only have certain options. But at the end of the day, you get to select. You were, you were in a school that was in the state of Florida. You might have been able to stay maybe a couple more years and different job comes open and you can take that that has, um, you know, it, it, you know, it, just in a better spot. So um, it's tough. It's inconsistent. Um, the the fact that some schools have a bigger donor base than others, though, I don't think should be a factor. I think the biggest factor should be the transparency of uh, mm-hmm. what the deals are for, how the players are being compensated, like what work has to be rendered for this deal to be done. And is that like market value for something like that? Or are these guys literally just giving these dudes a bunch of money for no reason? Right. And I think that that's fair to to put that into play. And I think that's the biggest thing because we keep on talking about NIL for the sheer fact that there just is no type of regulation to anything. And I think you have to go back and completely put the blame on the NCAA for all of this because they never wanted to admit that this was going to happen with or without their permission. They had plenty of chances to kind of wrangle this thing up and get it organized before it became what it is. And they never did it. And now we're sitting here and it's, it's kind of just, it is what it is. And we continue to talk about it because it's just something new every day and there are no regulations. So we keep on asking, are there going to be? And I know that Kirby Smart was saying too, um, that it kind of happened too fast. So he was just saying like, he's concerned about players getting much, uh, getting too much too fast. And I know that you don't really agree with that because, players should have been paid a long time ago. But is is that a, a, a thing? I mean, do you think some of these players are going to get too much money at one time and, and not know what to do with it? And yeah. that becomes the center of all of our talk and instead the, of it being on the field? The only reason coaches say that is because it adds a, le- a layer of responsibility for sure. them yeah. to, to um, help their players be good stewards yeah, of money and to get their lives together. Like what's the difference between these players getting all this money at one time right now in mm-hmm. one of his players that got drafted in the first round, number one, overall, mm-hmm. uh, this past draft, like w- literally what's the difference? Because Trayvon Walker now has all of that money all at once. Is he worried about him now? Yep. Like yep. it's again, it, it just, I feel like a lot of these premises are very faulty from these coaches and I get why they're doing it. And I think that some of them are like, that is a legit concern is like, you know, are we, are the players going to be okay as they start to, you know, become wealthy Um, at the same time as a coach, you need to say, okay, with some of the other resources that we have, like (laughs) if we can get NIL deals for everything else, there's probably um, somebody who is willing to consult with these players um, for maybe a discounted fee that can help them get their financial house in order as well. And you as a coach now, that is part of your responsibility is to say, okay, which which of these people can we vet, can we trust, and can we recommend to our players so we can take that aspect 
off the table for everybody. Yeah, no, exactly. Another subject that has been brought up this week at SEC Media Days is clearly the mega conferences, the future of the possible mega conferences. And Alabama's head coach Nick Saban said that's definitely something that we're all going to have to deal with in the future. Now, I don't know if he's going to have to deal with it because I don't know how much longer Nick Saban wants to be in the game with this with everything that's changing. I, I mean, he could want to do it just to prove that he can do it in this day and age, you know, coach and, and win national titles, but he might just say heck with it and put two more years in and be gone. Uh, just last month, we, we mentioned this on our podcast, UCLA, USC joining the uh, big 10 um, here in the near future. And then Texas and Oklahoma obviously had announced a while back that they're leaving the big 12 for the SEC. Um, so Saban says he believes realignment is being driven by money and might not be in the best interest of college football as a whole. Your thoughts? Um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> like we know, we know why this is happening. Um, and it's the reason it's not in the best interest for college football as a whole mm-hmm. is it seems like there are a lot of schools that are going to get left behind right um, whether that would be your typical max schools or your sun belt schools or whatever the case is like i don't know what their place in um in big time college football looks like now mm-hmm. if you've got a 20 team conference and you only play 12 games in a year you know how do you manage um conference play so you can have the most amount of conference games to be able to to you know clearly determine who should play in a conference championship um while also playing some of those out of conference opponents that would need the revenue from it um that their players and some of them have really good players would need the exposure on the national stage from it um I think that's what becomes really difficult at the same time, you know, if I'm Ohio state and if I'm USC and uh, you know, if I'm Texas and if I'm Alabama and you know, the analysts are projecting that the new media rights deal is somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred million dollars per year per school. Why, why would I want to really be concerned with what's best for Akron and what's best for coastal Carolina? Well, and that's the, I think that's the issue I have. Like I get the side of the schools that need and aren't going to turn down this money. I mean, I get it. If you had heard any reports, I guess UCLA was like in big, big trouble. And that's a big reason why they decided to move to the big 10 because they were like, they were in trouble in terms of their athletic department like money wise and they needed to make a move. And um, I get all of the stuff with, if you're offered something, you're going to most likely join that if it means more money. But I look at it from my standpoint of being a Washington state grad and growing up with, you know, at the time was pac 10 football. And I've seen the decline. Obviously I knew something probably not great was on the horizon but I'm just thinking about my school in the future. Like, where is my school going? And yeah, I'm a fan of a school that's not USC, that's not UCLA, that's not Ohio State. 
And for me, it's personal, right? Because I don't want to see my school lost in the dust and never on TV again, watching any types of games. Um, It's fun to hear your school talked about when they're in the mix or when they've got a game coming up with their rivals, which brings me to that next point too. A lot of these rivalries, no matter what they say, are never going to be the same. And that's what makes me sad. I am in a bit, in some ways, a traditionalist when it comes to sports with certain things, not everything. When it comes to certain things, though, I am. And I just think that that's the part that stinks for me and other people who are fans of teams that are not the biggest names in college football. Like, I just worry about the future in that aspect. Like, I mean, am I even going to have a football team to cheer for in the future? Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is um, – so I guess we got to talk about this philosophically, right? So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Professor think, Professor P and uh, yeah. Professor A here. Yeah, yes. Um, I'm with you on the rivalry thing. Um, I think with all this money, it's, it's really easy for um, a lot of folks to maybe abandon some rivalries that would naturally dissolve. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think there's a way to ensure that these happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, geography has been a big part of a lot of these rivalries. Um, and now the geography is not as big of a deal for these conferences. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, regardless of whatever happens, like that mm-hmm. should never go away. Alabama, right. Auburn should never go away. Um, SC and UCLA get to keep their thing. But like if you're USC, it, it should be very important for you to play Notre Dame. That shouldn't go away. Um, and so if these people are as smart as I would think they are. <laughs> they would say, okay, there's, there's one day that we have to just say we're playing rivalry games. Like I'm playing right. our biggest rival might not. If, if you're a team with multiple rivals, maybe you yeah, don't play all of them, but you're playing your biggest rival. You're playing sure. the Mark Cubans. Um, get that out of the way. Secondly, do we end up doing something like this is we have the the CFP division of football. Mm-hmm. And what that means is you've got your SEC and Big Ten, whatever those end up becoming. That's the, the CFP division. Right. Then you have your, um, let's just call it FBS like it's already called. That's the rest of the teams that were already FBS teams. Okay. And then you've got FCS. Um, and we've seen that sure. teams in FBS have played FCS teams and vice versa. Sure. So there's nothing preventing an out-of-conference game against a, uh, you know, an FBS team or whatever you want to do. Um, but essentially, that's how you go. Maybe yeah. we get to a point where we have promotion and relegation like they do in soccer. So you take, you know, some of the bottom feeders, kick them out. You allow some of the best teams in this uh, other lower division to come up so they have a chance to compete. But uh, you have to play, let's say it's at least 10 games out of a 12 game season against uh, teams in the CFP division. You can play um, teams from a lower division for those other two games. And then the teams in the the CFP division, the only ones who get to compete for the playoff, that's it. Uh, And you expand the playoff pool and you create a postseason off of that. I would be cool with something like that because I feel Me like too. that's where it's going anyway. Like, I, I, But it, it allows you 
to maintain some rivalries. I think that should be an important thing. And then um, saying that you have to have 10 games out of 12 against, you know, sure. uh, the higher level of competition does not preclude you from saying, okay, we're going to play these two games against, uh, you know, teams from one of the lower divisions. And right. that, that probably benefits everybody. So like if you were to say, you know, Washington gets called up to the Big Ten. I feel like I'm talking about professional sports now because it pretty much is. And Washington State remains, you know, in whatever the Pac-12 ends up being uh, with some of added Mountain Conference, you know, teams or whatever. And they're kind of technically below them, but they are scheduled every year for a game against the rival Washington and yeah. another bigger team. Yes, um, in- I like that. I would not be opposed to that. They can do it. Yeah. I would not be opposed. And that's coming from somebody who I never want to be pushed down the ladder, but it is what it is. Like, I get it, right? It is what it is. Although, there was a report that came out that had Washington State as one of the most watched Pac 12, actually, not just Pac 12 teams. Um, They put up, I I can't remember what the list was. It came out a couple weeks ago. But in terms of viewership, um, it was like the most watched teams outside of the big, you know, the big schools or whatever. And Washington State was on that list pretty high up, uh, which I thought was impressive. I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, But yeah, I get it. I mean, you have to admit what you are and and we're not some big time program uh, like Ohio State, like Alabama, you know, even like. UCLA and USC, but at the same time, um, I think just to be able to keep some sort of tradition alive and allow you to play those schools, but knowing, okay, you're in this bracket now, right? I just, I think that's what needs to happen. Now it's just, who's going to take charge of this? Because there is pretty much no NCAA. I just don't see why Greg Sankey doesn't leave the SEC. (laughs) I'm just laughing because I want him to, so that the SEC isn't good as it is now and go take over like college football as a whole and just like plan this whole thing. Cause I feel like he's the guy to do it. Yeah. I think there needs to be a central power um, in college football, just in terms yes. of like, you know, a central decision maker that actually has power um, over the schools um, yep. in order to get this thing in the direction it needs to be in. But uh, yeah, thank you. Probably be the the best one for the job. Uh, if you could get Jim Delaney, the former uh, yep. Big Ten commissioner, Absolutely. out of retirement. Do you know where uh, he is? By the way, just can I can I tell you where Jim Delaney is right now? Where is he at? He's right here in Nashville. Is he? He is actually. Um, him and my husband know each other through just uh, meeting. He lives in a little area in Nashville, and and my husband actually was talking to him the other day about all of this, and he's just sitting back watching this all happen, which is so funny because, like you're mentioning, he has the smarts and the ability to take over something like this, yet he's just sitting back having a cup of coffee thinking, what is going on? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure that he's happy at this point that he's not (laughs) in it, but if somebody offered him the opportunity to be you know, the, the czar of college sure. football. Um, I don't think that guy would turn it down at least, you know, for uh, a few years just to get that position up and running. I think he would be into it. Yeah. Maybe I should just ask, I should pass along my husband to say, Hey, can you pop on my uh, 
wife's and Joshua's podcast, and maybe we can we can uh, get Jim's comments on that. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> maybe he'd be willing to sit down and talk with us. No, that's not a bad idea. Um, I just hope that in a few weeks, this is going to be something where we actually don't have to talk about this all the time and we can actually talk about football, but I just have a feeling like this is always going to be brought up. Whatever happens throughout the year, um, this is going to be thing. Uh, I did want to mention to you that uh, your girl right here will be an AP uh, voter this year. Are you serious? Dead serious. Oh, yes. Dead serious. <laughs> um, so guess what we'll be chatting about a lot on, I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be bringing you another level here this season, and Joshua will have a lot of input. Let's just say that. I love it. We're going to be uh, we're going to be reading the ballot on the show. Yeah, we can do that. We can absolutely do that. I actually just got the email yesterday uh, of when everything is due for the. You know, you got the, you got all the teams uh, that yes. you got to pick beforehand, and all of that stuff. So we'll be keeping you guys posted. Well, congratulations Here on every that week. honor, though. Look at you. Yeah, thanks. I did the uh, college basketball top 25, I think, like three years ago. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, I this is every every single year I'm, I'm covering college football, college basketball, pretty much throughout the season. So the AP voter down here reached out to me, and she asked if I wanted to do it. And I wasn't going to turn it down, especially since uh, – you know, I don't get a ton of opportunities in my career. So when I do, I'm going to take advantage of it. So, well, that's awesome. That's I did. Yeah. yeah so we that <laughs> we will have some debates about this. I was just going to say, we will definitely have some debate. So that'll be fun. And then I wanted to ask you about one more thing before we wrap up this podcast, because I just, just want your opinion on it. I just think it's a great subject to talk about because it clearly made headlines yesterday when Clark Lee uh, in his second season now with Vanderbilt football as the head coach, came out and was discussing how Vanderbilt has done a lot since he has arrived when it comes to improving the athletics, especially when it comes to football. They are starting to redo the stadium. They are starting to up the ante on facilities. And they call it the Vandy United campaign. A lot of it has to do with athletic director um, Cameron Lee's story, who is phenomenal. I will just say that I I have worked a lot with her and she is great. And it looks like Vandy is getting more support when it comes to athletics because it's not something they've always had a lot of support with. And so Clark was telling the media, like, this is a really good thing. I feel like we're headed in the right direction. But then he took it as far as the point of saying Vanderbilt will be the best team in college football in the near future. And that's when the line was kind of drawn for me. I'm like, I like Clark Lee. Don't get me wrong. I like Vanderbilt. I work a lot with athletics there. But at this point, I don't know if that's necessarily the right direction to be pointed in. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best in in, in what regard, right? Like academic yeah. combination of like if, <laughs> if you could, if no, and, and I'm being like 100% serious is like if that, if you can get Vanderbilt to a point where, you know, they're consistently making a bowl game and their academics are what they are, then you can make an argument to me that they've 
they're exceeding expectations football wise. They're always going to be really good school. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good program. Like they're doing a good job. They're in a really good place. Best in the country. Ah, but you could, you could finagle your way into an argument. Um, but like, if we're just talking from a football standpoint, uh, there's like, how do you, that's a very tough spot. Like, yeah. Cause you've already got places like Notre Dame or uh, Stanford that are like, more powerful football brands that are Brainiac schools. Then you've also got uh, Northwestern, which for some reason, every other year figures it out on how to win the big 10 West. It's done a good job. Duke's track record in the, uh, the 2010s was pretty solid in the ACC as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've been able to figure it out. Like Vandy, I, I appreciate the fact that you want to be better. I appreciate who you are but you're playing in the toughest football conference in the country and that's you've thing. got all the academic overlays like that's tough. Yep. And you just mentioned the obvious. You're playing in the in one of the best conferences in the country and some would argue the best. I I would put the Big 10 right up there with it. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Like maybe Maybe if you were playing in the Big 12 right now or the ACC, like you had mentioned, or or the Pac-12, maybe you could start to get it up to the top of those conferences if you really had the right coach and you had what he's saying they have, like the, the interest now in terms of giving them money and, and supporting the football program. But that's still a big maybe. But when you, you want to have a little fun right now? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so... Let's look at the Big 12 members. Uh, and you're talking about currently, not with Oklahoma and Texas. Well, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them out. Uh, okay, okay. And I'm going to add in the other teams that are going to be coming into the okay, conference. Yeah. Just give me one second here. Okay. Yes. So you got Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and then you got BYU, Central Florida, uh, Cincinnati, and Houston coming in. So throw Vanderbilt in that mix, and where do they lie? Well, that's the other thing. A lot of those programs that you just listed that are being added, BYU, Cincinnati, a lot of those programs have upped the ante. Yep. And that's the other thing. A lot of these programs have already been on the path of getting better where Vanderbilt has been sitting in the same position. I don't and disagree with you. Do you get what uh, I'm saying? So I agree with you on that when, you, when I, you list those. But I think you could you can make an argument better than Kansas, which yes. Kansas turned around and beat Oklahoma. So let me let me yeah. bite my tongue here. I know they did, um, didn't they? Like probably better than Kansas State. Could be better than yeah. Kansas State. Yeah. Um West Virginia is like so up and down as of late. Like that used to be a, a solid program. It's just a bad school too. Um, <laughs> Texas Tech, like very questionable. Um, I agree. What is Iowa State going to be when Matt Campbell finally takes another job? Which he will. Uh, you know, like I like I like the the members that they're adding. I think those teams have so much momentum, and I think that being on national stage more consistently only helps them. Mm-hmm. But um, like you could make an argument that they're, they're not at the very bottom. They're not going to be in the cellar 
of that conference if they no. were to make a move, which is wild. Um, you could look at the Pac-12 and probably make a very similar argument that they wouldn't be in the absolute cellar. Yep. It's just the fact that, like, how miserable are you to be Vanderbilt in the SEC? Like, you're going yeah. to be in the basement. You are. And that's in, in, in being also in a city like Nashville that is such a popular destination now. Uh, there's so many people moving here. And so you would think like, oh, man, you got Vanderbilt in a huge city like Nashville and it gets no recognition in, unless it's it baseball. Oh, and, God. you know, it's at the, and it's, you're the bottom right, of the it's SEC. Big of a city as big Nashville city. has become. Right. And so much to do. Right. Um, but Tennessee is always going to be a yeah. Tennessee state, like yeah. UT state. And then the other thing that uh, that hurts for Nashville too is, and it's like, I think um, if Ohio State wasn't such a traditional brand, yeah. this would be a similar thing. But like when you lived in Columbus, how many people did you meet there that weren't from Columbus at all? Like quite a bit as the city started to grow. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what Nashville is right now. Yes. And so I feel like because there's so many expats, there's not an allegiance to the university. Right. Um, you know, Columbus, obviously, there's there's still a ton of people who are from Ohio that are there. And Ohio State's a different brand. But, like, for Vanderbilt's sake, like, you know, you really want to try to build up that kind of brand allegiance. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of people coming to that city already wearing different colors. Exactly. And that's a great point. And, and I get that part of it too, where it's just, and there's so, there's so much to do other than, you know, just athletics. And even if you have athletics, you've got the pro teams here. That's the other thing. I mean, yeah. you just added MLS the, with the new stadium. Like they, they have a lot of pro going on here now. And so the last thing that people are going to probably be worried about is the college football team in town. Again, unless maybe you're a big baseball fan and you're going to see Vanderbilt baseball um, just with Tim Corbin and what he's built. But it's going to be something that if they're going to do it, I, I am fully behind them. If they are giving the money to them now, if they're building those facilities, if they can find a way to attract people, I'm fully behind Vanderbilt. But it's got to be proven. Like you can't just say it like you got to actually make it happen or try to to improve it you know, more and more every year to get to that point. Cause right now it, there's nothing that's shown that that's happening. Right. So uh, I do want to mention one thing though, Joshua, if you have time to look up um, Mike Wright from yesterday's SEC media days, he's the quarterback for Vanderbilt. He is a hoot. And that I'll tell you one thing, having personalities in college football nowadays with NIL and just with attention that they can bring to your program in my eyes is really important. And Mike Wright is the perfect guy for this Vanderbilt team. He's a junior, but he's really somebody who um, is not afraid to be himself. He's not afraid to just have fun. He's really smart. Um, but yet, you know, he's kind of like a great representation for this football program right now, especially with how, you know, these NIL deals are going and you can really grab attention for a program with an ambassador like that. So if you have time, he's just great. And he had his whole like suit outfit on yesterday and 
he was doing a lot of radio, so I got to listen to some of his interviews. But I think he's a perfect example of if you're going to have players now that are getting NIL money, like you want guys like him who are going to be great spokespeople for your um, for your team. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, I'm familiar with this man's work. Oh, you are um, you? Because he's a pitch man for Bojangles. Oh, that's right. Yes. And I'm a big Bojangles guy. Fan. Okay. <laughs> So, I like yeah, it. Was already familiar. Um, he his fashions are so on point, too. aren't they? Um, I feel like that's your say. style too, kind of. Like I yeah. feel like he's in the category with you on like kind of the um, yeah the way that he decides to do his fashion. Yeah, no, it's on point. Um, yeah, but I, I think you made a really good point there. Like it's important for them to have a uh, a guy who you feel like is has got a brand and has got. Um, a personality that can really just like you, you, you want to root for him. Like, like I said, I'm familiar with the guy's work. I don't know him from anybody, but like, that's a guy I look at and be like, man, I hope he has a good season. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's exactly where you want to be as you start to build. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for this episode of press pass. Again, if you guys have not already subscribed, please do that. Um, give us a review, anything you want to say, uh, even if it's negative. No, don't give us any negative reviews. But if you're really <laughs> feeling like you want to give us a positive review, you know, leave it for us. Give us five stars. And then you can follow Joshua on social media. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J-E-P. You got it. And you can also find him on the Rally on Valley Regionally. Uh, every weekday afternoon. So go ahead and check out that. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Kayla Anderson TV. We always appreciate y'all. We're getting excited because it's almost going to be August, and that means the countdown is really on. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll be back here next time for another episode of Press Pass. Take care.